0: Mm-hmm. Bismillahir Rahmanir 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 Okay, we're going to uh, we Okay, بسم So we have a new course starting today. You have been liberated. <laughs> <laughs> you made it, you made it through understanding the sacred law and you're still here to my surprise But Alhamdulillah So we're uh, starting a new topic called Futuwa Futuwa, the Muslim honor code Futuwa, the Muslim honor code, so Bismillah uh, There's been kind of in the last couple years a renewed interest in this idea of Futuwa, at least for Muslims in the West uh recently there was a book published of this title, F-U-T-U-W-W-A-H, Futuwa. We'll talk about what it means in a second. And uh, it was published by Imam Dawood Wadid, Hafidhullah. Um, it's quite good, alhamdulillah. It's a nice little book. And there's another, but what we're going to be reading from is not that. We're reading from actually but I'm not sure if it's been published yet. They released the PDF first. They were giving it to people who would donate to their school, Usul Academy, by Dr. Rajab Senturk. And uh, so he has a booklet on Futuwa as well. Dr. Rajab is uh, the head of a school called Usul Academy in Istanbul. And he's a really interesting figure because he's a proper academic. Since he runs this, you know... Turkish intellectual institutions, they tend to... You know, you have different flavors. Some flavors are like, we're gonna study our thing and do our thing. Some flavors are like, we're gonna study our thing and we're gonna study your thing and we're gonna win. This is the Turkish model. (laughs) So when you go to their institutions, it's like you're going to read all of the works of Western sociologists and theorists and critical theory and all of these people of all of these ideas around gender and all of these other things, you're going to read all of that. You're not going to just like do your own thing. And you're going to read the Muslim tradition, and you're going to be able to handle both. And so uh, he's an interesting figure because he's a proper academic, but he's also a, a scholar of the Islamic sciences. And so he's written this book, and they have a little Futua program that they do uh, over there. Uh, so maybe we'll start by saying that Futuwa comes, it's, as, a, as a word, it comes from the idea of al and you know. The sh- in English, usually, they translate it as, like, the chivalrous youth. Uh, the, the code of Futuwa is kind of like, if you were to say, what is a similar code? but uh, Of course, everyone's going to have their different things. But, like, the Bushido code of the Eastern martial arts and stuff would be kind of similar. It's like, almost like the way of the samurai, is the way of Futuwa but really when you think about it what is that for us that's essentially the sunnah like what is what is the way of the of the the martial code of of, of living for us is really the it's it's the way of the prophets and allah but when you take it to its furthest conclusions not like when you take the sunnah at its very basic level that's one thing but when you take the sunnah to like You'd be really serious about it, you know, like, I'm going to keep things as simple as possible. I'm going to not have very much possessions. I'm going to sit on the floor when I eat. I'm going to never eat past satiation. I'm going to like these, the things that are in the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi that are very like, they're not going to just make a nice person. They're going to make someone who's uh, like a really amazing person, you know. So it's a, it's a stricter code, so to speak. This is the code of Futuwa and it's the way of all of the prophets. That's why it comes from the word in the Qur'an. Uh, the two main references in the Qur'an are in the story of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, Who was, of course, a young man. And they said, when, when the idols are broken, and they said, who is it that broke the idols? And they said, we don't know, but we heard about a Feta. He's called Ibrahim. He's a Feta, he's called Ibrahim. He's like this person, has these qualities. Or in Surah al Kaf, when you have the youth that went to the cave, that they were young people fitya. They were these young people Who had this futuwa. So what happened was that Essentially in Muslim civilization You have these places Where uh, This idea was developed further Maybe I shouldn't jump uh, So we're going to look at a little bit of the preface Of uh, Dr. Rajab, and then we'll move on. So he says, uh, He starts off, he says, Success and happiness in life depend on two things. Knowledge and character. Success and happiness in life depend on two things. Knowledge and character. In other words, to be successful and happy, one needs not only to be competent in one's profession, but also to have noble character and superior morality. An ancient saying states that academic education, ta'dim." And moral training, tezkiya, are the keys to happiness and success. Uh, sound knowledge and good character are like the two wings necessary for a bird to fly. So these are the foundational things. You know, we want to always, and, and these are things that we have, at some level. Of course, people have different access, but at some level, we have access to these things for ourselves. If I want to learn some types of knowledge, you know, uh, I can learn them at some level. I can commit to that. And if I want to have better character, I can try to have better character. And uh, this is the way of the Muslims. He says the Muslim elders. Sometimes if you see the word translated as elders, usually in English, it's, I think it's usually kibar. You know, like this is, this is the way of the kibar. This is the way of like our, our elders and our ancestors, the people that we look up to, the people that set the way for us. Uh, from the early generations and then afterwards. Especially in the Seljuk and the Ottoman empires, this idea of futuwa became very prominent um, as sulami Sulami is one of the early people who wrote a book, he, called, he wrote a book called Kitab al-Futuwa uh, It's been translated also I think it's been translated as uh, The Sufi way of chivalry, Sufi way of chivalry I generally don't like when they add the word Sufi into titles without need because it kind of like throws people off you know, like So now people aren't going to read that book Because it's called Sufi way of chivalry But it's not like You didn't have to call it that It's not the title of the book The title of the book is Kitab al-Futuwa you know? um, But anyways It's been translated if you wanted to read it Kitab al-Futuwa as sulimi died in 412 after Hijrah, And in his book He defined it by saying the following He said Oh my son, may Allah accord you his pleasure You asked about Futuwa Know that futuwa means following the ordinances of perfect devotion, leaving all evil, and attaining in action and in thought the best of visible and hidden good conduct. Every condition and every moment demand from you one aspect of futuwa. There is no state or time without that demand. There is no futuwa fit for your behavior. Uh, there is Futua fit for your behavior toward God, another toward the Prophet, and others toward the companions. Yet others towards the pure ones of the past, your teachers, your brotherhood and the two angels on your shoulders, accounting for your deeds. So basically what he's saying is there are demands that honor makes. I like the word honor, even though people don't like to use it as much anymore. Uh, because, at least for me, it helps me to understand it. Okay? You know, I can come into a situation and I can ask myself, what is the honorable thing to do here? And oftentimes it's not the thing that I want to do. You know, usually the thing that we want to do is like, there's an easy way sometimes, and and I don't mean just like in, uh, in really serious situations. Obviously if someone's like being oppressed right in front of you, there's an honorable thing to do, it's to do something about it. That takes a level of courage, it takes a level of strength, so on and so forth. But sometimes there's other things like, like for example, if you ask someone to do something, and then they don't do it, I feel like it's a little bit dishonorable to ask them again. (laughs) You know, so then imagine like when you're dealing with your kids, you have to ask them 10 times. I always tell my kids, like, if I have to tell you, if I have to say it to you three times, I've already told you one too many times. Like it's two too many times at that point. If it's three times, it's two too many times. Like the first time was the first time. I needed to see it the first time, you know? Don't make me ask again, I feel like a himar, you know? It's dishonorable so uh, <laughs> don't necessarily use this as the example for your life but i'm just saying that every moment has its own honor every moment has its own honor and there's things to do and there's things you can think like okay what's what's the thing that i should do here okay and <clears throat> sometimes it's not so clear that's why the way that this was learned throughout history was not in books or something it was with people just like good manners good manners were learned with people they weren't learned like, here's the book, read it, you're going to get good manners now. And that's why these things, they, deter- they turned into over time. Um, uh, they turned into, like, guilds. <coughs> so he, he says that this futuwa was used for different meanings. Oftentimes people understand it, like Imam Dawood's book, it focuses largely on men. And sometimes people understand it as like a man-only thing. But what we, what I always, uh, when it comes to like the universal character traits of Islam, those are not men-only things. And <laughs> as one of the uh, one author in the Western context, like a non-Muslim context, he said that the issues of manliness are not issues of male versus female. Issues of manliness are issues of child versus man. Like, are you an adult now or are you still a child? If you're still a child, there's a way to act. And if you're an adult, there's a way to act. And usually, these top, everything that, like, anything that you find in this course of study is largely going to be things that are equally applicable to women as they are to men. Because it's about, how do I become fully human? It's not about how do I become uh, male, right? Uh, and of course, there's been increased conversation on this because there's increased conversation on this in the last couple of years, uh, a lot of, um, how can I say this politely, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm not, yeah, I feel like a lot of words, they become plastic words, like, when words get used too much without really knowing what they mean, then they start to lose their meaning. Um, but there's questions around like, how should, how should a man be, right? And a lot of people are looking for those answers on YouTube uh, in quick clips on YouTube that speak to their emotions. And that's like actually the opposite of what they need. What they need is to get their emotions under control And Put them in the right place and do what they need to do and learn from people who have done that You know over time and and to not be foolish about it And may Allah give us good teachers and good examples I, I feel like one of the things about this whole manhood discussion is that the reality of is it is that you one cannot attain How to be a man or how to be a woman or if we could say how to be fully human? Except on the hands of people who are fully human You know, and um, that's just the reality of it. And and the person who produced the most beautiful and amazing and comprehensive human beings ever was the Prophet ﷺ. Of course, he's the perfect man. He's an insan and kamil. He's the perfect man. So he's able to produce people who are on a whole different level. And they're going to have mistakes, and they're going to make. You know, it's not like a uh, one moment journey. It's going to be a journey that takes some time But he's going to teach them And he's going to raise them Step by step (coughs) SubhanAllah This is the biggest thing You know uh, To find people like that and to be with them Is the biggest thing So some different meanings of futua. One of them was the applied ethics and morality of the Prophet them, and all the Prophets who came before him and all the awliya that came after him Because the way of how we're supposed to be is embodied in the Prophets All the way to the Prophet them. At the death of course of the Prophet them, he's the last of Prophets So who are the inheritors of how to be after the Prophet them? It's the awliya, it's the people who are close to Allah taala. So what they represent is futuwa uh, it's also sometimes referred to as like a higher level of morality. It's used in that context. You know, which we're gonna come to in a second. It was also and uh, they were names used for like youth organizations. So it'd be like you have a youth club, and the youth club would be called a, a futua club. So you'd have these like, you know, the youth group, but the youth group is not just you know, the youth group is meant to call one another to to higher character and higher morality and to serve people and to stand up for justice and to do what's right, to be strong, all of these kind of things. That's what they would do. Um, and they even used to have like certain outfits and stuff. They would have clothes that wear like certain belts and it shows like they're part of this. It was like a, almost like a gang for good. Um, uh, they also had guilds, like in the, they were, Futua was part of the guilds, like, uh, Say like the Carpenters Guild. All the people who are carpenters, they commit to a code of Futuwa. All the people who are blacksmiths, they commit to a code of Futuwa and they follow that and they hold each other to it and so on. So basically what we're getting at is the essence of the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He gives this breakdown here when we're talking about the ethics of of this stuff. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on the introduction, inshallah, yeah we're almost done. He gives a three level breakdown which I think is interesting and it's good And uh, so he says that the ethics, ethical behavior in Islam, we can break it down to three levels The lowest level is the ethics of reciprocity And this is Qisas The ethics of reciprocity is Qisas Which means someone hits you, you hit them back, right? That's lowest, lowest level but acceptable level, just so we're clear This is an acceptable level but it's the lowest level, okay? So uh, why I say that is because sometimes Like we While we're thinking about the highest uh, Kind of like Values, we forget that there's also Not the highest values That are still acceptable Like if someone kills your family member الله, And it's found in the court And so on and so forth You have choices You can demand the death penalty Or you can ask for blood money Or you can pardon the person pardoning the person Considered the highest level, it's considered the highest level If you wanted them to be killed Are you in any way wrong? No, you're not okay? So it's very important that we get this straight It's very, very important Because sometimes you get, we get this mixed up So the lowest level is our reciprocity qisas. The next level is tolerance al-afu. And it's actually taken In some ways it's taken from uh, um, That issue, of you can forgive them Right? La'afu would be to pardon, to tolerate. So, if someone did something wrong, you let it go, right? And the third level would be ithar. Ithar is that you prefer them over yourself, okay? So, one level is equality or reciprocity is a better word. And then the second level is to pardon or to tolerate. And the third level would be uh, to prefer them, altruism, to prefer them over oneself, okay? So, what he's getting, why he's saying this in the beginning is because. Basically, when we're talking about the qualities of futua, we're talking about that highest level, okay? Why I want this to be understood is because even if a person is... Oh, man, this foot is completely gone, subhanAllah. Uh, the, a person could be generally like at a high level of this issue of ethics, you know? They prefer others over themselves, they don't want things, so on and so forth. They, they pardon, they forgive, and there could come a time when they don't. In a particular case or a particular circumstance, and you know, that might be warranted. And you might have someone else who always wants reciprocity, and might not be the best thing, but it, it could still be acceptable. And then they might have times where they seek something that's better, you know? Um, Anyways. There's some flexibility there <laughs> Allah commands towards and ihsan Allah commands towards justice And He commands towards excellence Sometimes you take one, sometimes you take the other In some places they call it fatwa and taqwa you know, Like the fatwa will give you the basic minimum The taqwa might ask you to go a little bit higher But you know, your fatwa is still there uh, I'm emphasizing this, maybe some people don't Catch it, but I'm emphasizing this because even when we're talking about good character and all of these kind of things, there can be times, socially speaking, when things are not so clear. And uh, if we're not in a situation, it's very difficult to judge it. Uh, probably I'll leave it at that. But, like, you know, something recently I was made privy to a situation. Where I was like, subhanAllah, this is a really hard call It's like, what what to do in this situation is a really hard call What would be acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's the limits of it How far should you go, how far should you not go How do you distinguish between what you want to do or what you don't want to do as an individual Versus what the community needs and the group needs Like sometimes they're not all the same, right Maybe a person, on their personal level, they pardon But on a public level, they don't And this is uh, what we talked about before, the statement of uh, Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani ta'ala, anu, where he said uh, that our hands they carry out the punishment and our hearts they maintain love so it's like this, there's an internal there's an external, there's a public, there's a private there's an individual, there's a communal there's many different layers off into these considerations okay so before he gets into what we're skipping to right now he does a summary actually of uh, As-Sulami's Points Because As-Sulami what he'll do in his book Is he'll list all of these Principles of Futuwa And then he'll give you uh, Narrations that support the concepts, Right From like the Salaf or from the Prophet So maybe I'll just Read some for the sake of A, a general survey we're not going to go through all of them Um for example, he says that from futuwa is to be be sociable with friends. At-ta'aluf ma'al-ikhwan. To get along with people, it's part of futuwa. So you have the kind of personality people can get along with you. And the Prophet, And there's of course, when you get into the longer books, they'll give you all the reasonings. The Prophet ﷺ, this is, I personally, I like these kind of things. People are like, well, where's the hadith? Where's this? I like this. I like someone who's came and went through all of the hadith. And gave me 40 principles on how to act Okay, so now I have a summary of a thousand hadith You gave me it, I'm happy Alhamdulillah, I don't have to read a thousand hadith Come up with my own summary okay, So Know that like every one of these things Is not just like something they pulled out of a hat You know, Imam Sulemi is coming In the 4th century And he's experiencing like the greatest people of Islamic history, and he's living with them, and he's spending time with them, and he's eating with them, and he's drinking with them, and he's going places with them, and he's traveling with them, and he's seeing, and he's learning the hadith, he's a master of hadith, he's a master of the Islamic sciences, and he's distilling all of this stuff, and telling you, like, okay, here's the principle you're supposed to act by, be, get along with people, be social, like, you have people over, and you see it all the time, right, I did it, I was, I'll tell you a funny story, I was a really earnest and extreme New Muslim, okay? And, you know, everything was... I'll tell you how extreme I was. Uh, some of you may remember this documentary called... Uh, what was it called? Occupation 101. Occupation 101, it was about Palestine and stuff. I used to wake up every morning, and my morning weird, was watching the trailer of Occupation 101. <laughs> it was like, I would wake up in the morning, you pray Fajr, after Fajr, sit down, watch the trailer, get like angry for the day, and go out into the world, you know And then every day it was the same thing And then I'd like come to the MSA meetings And I'd see MSA people joking Like literally, I was in the meeting one time People were having, they were like, you know Young people living their lives you know? They care about Islam, but also like They're living their lives, they have food and they have They have fun and stuff like that And we're in the MSA meeting I've probably been Muslim for like a couple months You know, and I raised my hand And I said I don't know why everyone's laughing and joking. As far as I know, Palestine is still occupied.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and one of the sisters, she was like, how about you like, come around for more than a few weeks before you start having opinions like this? And she told me straight. I was like, all right. I respected it. I was like, okay, I'll listen to you. Because like, you came at me with the same energy that I came at you, so like I can respect it, you know? So... But he's saying, like, it's not, it's not like that. I'm going It's not, and it doesn't mean that you're not. It doesn't mean that you don't care. Uh, th- there's a, there's a story of the prophets and Allah, who are send them, that always strikes me. It's a story where one of the companions, he came, literally, uh, he came to the prophets and Allah, who are they will send them. Wa huwa yatawassadu bi fi Kaaba, It means he came to the prophets and Allah, who are they send them. And the Prophet is laying down in the shade of the Kaaba, with his cloak as his pillow. He's folded up his cloak. He's it's his pillow. He's laying in the shade of the Kaaba. And the companion comes to him and he says, "Ya Rasulullah, can you make du'a against these kuffar? Basically, like they're they're doing all these things to us. Can you just make du'a against them?" And like, let's be done with it. <laughs> you know, make the du'a, Ya Rasulullah, And he's laying in the shade of the Kaaba and the. It's not that he doesn't care, Of course he cares. He knows people are getting tortured. He knows people are being killed. You know, and he tells his companion like people before you, they were cut in half. They they were brought and they were, a saw was put in the middle of their head and they were cut in half and they didn't give up la and they didn't stop having patience. You want the victory to come right away? Be patient. The victory is going to come, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This isn't like this isn't like the you know uh, I'm trying to pacify you, be patient This is the Look, we have a business to do Allah has told us what to do When Allah tells us to take the next step We take the next step Until then, hold down the fort And if we meet Allah, we meet Allah You know, it's, it's, There's no weakness to it It's only strength But he's laying in the shade of the Kaaba with his Buddha As his pillow, right? So it's not like, like Yeah, there's horrible things that are going on And Still you should be sociable with your friends And your brothers and your sisters right? And oftentimes, you see actually That people who have gone through Extended periods of oppression Have a very good sense of humor It's part of their strength Our sheikh always says that He always says if you smile it's part of your strength And he says that anger is weakness And shaitan wants to make you angry Because when you become angry You become dispersed But when you, when you control your anger You become whole again and you become strong so you have to be able to smile, you have to be able to laugh You have to be able to take things easy And at the same time when there's something to be done There's something to be done Like they said about the Sahaba عنه, That they would sit around and they would laugh with each other And they would like throw f- watermelon rinds at each other And like you know do their thing And if something went down it's, the, it's like the most beautiful In Arabic it has a special flavor You know If it came down to something, something needed to be done Then they were the, the most manly of men but it's not like they were sitting around like scowling at each other <laughs> You know <laughs> We're going to sit around Mecca and just like Swords are here and we're just like angry all the time No it's not what they were <inaudible> So he says that This was supposed to be brief uh, Loving hospitality and giving feasts Being righteous Compassion to friends Loving, visiting, and communicating with, another, with one another for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Truthfulness in speech and honesty. Maintaining inner and outer piety. Giving benefit of the doubt to others. Concentrating on one's own faults rather than other people's faults. Continuous repentance. Uh, not reprimanding friends for their small mistakes. And asking forgiveness from Allah for them. Agreeing with friends on everything and not disagreeing with them. It's a very interesting one. We saw this also in the etiquette of uh, Art of Community. That you try not to disagree with them If you don't have to Um, Imam Ghazali says something really interesting about that And you can see it very clearly In community life by the way Imam Ghazali said Even if you're right When you differ with someone And even if they accept it Even if you're right And even if they accept it When you differ with someone It puts something in their heart Like yeah ideally we get over it But in reality, as human beings, it puts something there. But hopefully over time we can get over these things, you know. Uh. And we still have to say sometimes things that are true. Practicing kindness and and having patience in social relationships. Being humble and avoiding snobbishness with friends. uh, Compassion to all creatures. Being loyal. Not being disrespectful. Refraining from jealousy. Spending on friends. Not criticizing the food that's offered to you. Supplies to strangers and family by the way. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there's two narrations. Think about these. There's certain things you have to think about with the Prophet. Not only you have to think like you have to we have to consider what he does becomes a permanent precedent. So some people will be like the Prophet never dressed different than the other companions really. So why are these scholars dressing differently and stuff like that? Okay, so what would have happened if he dressed differently? They would have different. Then everyone would have dressed differently. It would have been the same thing. <laughs> if the prophet them put on like big clothes and a big turban, everyone would have put on big clothes and a big turban. It would have been the same the same like it's not the prophet "Send them, it says for example, he ne- there's two narrations. One of them is that he never criticized food ever. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Any food that was put in front of him He never criticized it That one's universally Kind of like known and narrated Hadith of the Prophet And another one It says that he never criticized And he never praised Any food that was given to him So you could look at that and be like Well that means also Not only should I not criticize it But I'm also never going to praise the food Like my husband or wife makes me food I'm never going to praise the food That they bring me Because the sunnah of the Prophet He didn't praise And he didn't criticize the food you have to think about it a little bit. What happens if the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam praises food? Everyone's going to be eating a lot of that food, you know? <laughs> so it's not like, uh, uh, if, if, like... Imagine if every single time the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was invited and they put food in front of him, he said, MashaAllah, this is really tasty food. Then every single one of those meals would have been established in the Sunnah And like, people would have been eating these meals all over history and, like, You have to think about it a little bit you know? So uh, it doesn't mean don't praise people's food But definitely don't criticize people's food uh, Trusting Allah with regard to livelihood Visiting friends' homes without being waiting to be invited thats of course needs some cultural context you know, They didn't live in the same world that we lived in Is if you wanted to see someone Everyone lived in the same neighborhood, essentially. If you think about it, everyone lived in the same neighborhood. Every time you go to the store, you're walking past your friend's house. Oftentimes, actually, they build the city like this. They put the masjid in the middle, and they put the marketplaces around the side, around the masjid, and they put the houses around this. And everyone goes to the masjid five times a day. And as they go to the masjid and they come from the masjid, they pass by the marketplace, they buy whatever they need, they see each other, they say salam. So everyone's seeing each other all the time. So it's not like... You're not worried about like their work schedule and all these other kind of things that we're worried about now. You, know, you want to visit them? You just go knock on their door, and there's a whole etiquette to it and stuff like that. If they're there, they're there. If they're not, they're not, and so on and so forth. Anyways, forgetting favors that you do to your friends. You know. How do you say this in Arabic? Intensa عند ikwanek. Should do something good for people, you forget about, it. You don't hold it forever against them. You know, it's like this uh, never-ending. Favor list Okay So those are all from Sunami And uh, Dr. Rajab then he, he basically He looked at that He looked at other literature that was written And he came up with 40 rules of his own Not of his own Nothing's really ever of your own right? Like everyone's He's taking from all these things But he came up with 40 rules Okay So here's the number one rule we Start with the rule number one See everyone as your brother and treat them accordingly See everyone as your brother or your sister and treat them accordingly He said a person who is adorned with Futuwa ethics is called Feta Uh, We already said all of that It's not about just being young, it's not only about being male It's about having some earnestness with trying to apply certain principles and how we interact with other people Okay. So he says, see everyone as your brother or sister And act with them accordingly Then what he gives is a breakdown On how to understand the idea Of brotherhood and sisterhood at various levels Because we consider everyone to be Our brother or sister, we don't all They're not all the same, right Like, everyone's So he says, the Outermost circle He calls it the circle of uh, uh, The circle of Adamiyya Okay and then the circle inside of that is the circle of Ibrahimiya And the circle inside of that is the circle of Muhammadiyah. It's a very interesting breakdown. He has some cool breakdowns like this in some of his stuff. Uh, Adamiya, Ibrahimia, Muhammadiyah. So, what does it mean? The widest level of brotherhood and sisterhood is brotherhood and sisterhood in humanity. That everyone is from the children of Adam. And everyone, kulukum min Adam wa Adamu min You know, all of you are from Adam and Adam is from dirt. Everyone's the same in that regard right? So, no matter who it is Race, ethnicity, money, whatever Good, bad, everyone is shared And they're And they're being made from dirt Second layer, this is a little bit closer Is the layer of people who share a bond of Ibrahimiya. The bond of ibrahimiyah is basically the bond of monotheism that these are now people who they might have slight differences in their way but they share in monotheism which is a big deal uh... you know that that you know we don't agree obviously with jews and christians on everything but generally speaking there's still people who have a book and there are people who have some semblance of divine guidance and they're not the same as people who don't uh, of course we can always say like there's going... Uh, this is not an issue like this doesn't mean there's not bad people in the world we all know that there's bad christians there's bad jews there's bad muslims there's all kinds of bad people in the world but uh like someone who has guidance is not the same as someone who does it and much of the good that we see in various civilizations comes from some sort of divine guidance whether it's from the book or whether it's from something else you know. um, And then the inner layer is Muhammadiyah. Inner layer is the bond of all being from the Ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this understanding of Futuwa, understanding of brotherhood in Futuwa, is based upon the special brotherhood that's inherited from the formative period of the Muslim Ummah. Where do we see this this Muhammadiyah brotherhood showing up really beautifully? This is in the example of the muhajirin and the ansar, right? The muhajirin and the ansar. The come from Mecca to Medina. They leave everything. And when they come to Medina, they find a people, tabawu uh, ad wal-iman What is it? How do they go? Who has it? Somebody? Surah Al-Hash, Ilyas You don't have this one? Can't leave it like that Can't screw up a verse and then uh, Leave it like that So now we have to find it for والذين Allah said those who basically they were in Medina first. They love those who made immigration to them. So the people who were in Medina. People from Mecca came to them. They love them. And they didn't find anything in their hearts uh, towards them and what they were given. And they preferred them over themselves even if they had need. So, you know, this was the example, as we know. They gave them their wealth, they gave them their properties, they gave them everything that they needed in order to get established. Second point that he says is, and this will be the last one for today, (coughs) <coughs> yeah. Follow the straight path in abundance and distress In ease and hardship Follow the straight path in abundance and distress In ease and in hardship Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anh, he said We were with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And he drew a line in the sand Then he drew two lines to its right And two to its left then he put his hand on the middle line And he said This is the path of Allah Then he recited the verse And verily this is my straight path So follow it and follow not other paths For they will separate you from his path SubhanAllah. So he drew a line in the sand He drew other lines He said this one in the middle This is the straight path This is the way of Islam uh, Sheikh Rajabi says one of the in- distinguishing characteristics of Muslims is that they follow the straight path, Sirat al-Mustaqim. One of the practical consequences of following the straight path is being honest, reliable, and truthful. The sum of these virtues is called amana, trustworthiness. So a person is honest, person is truthful, person is reliable. They have amana. They have amana. And one of the signs of the end of times, as we know, is that amana begins to disappear. Start, to, you don't find it. Whereas you used to be able to trust people, you used to be able to rely on people, you used to be able to consider them to be honest, to be truthful. You start to see that disappear. A manna comes before Iman. A manna comes before Iman. It's really interesting. Like, even if we're believers, there's certain things, if we don't have them in our character, our, our belief will only take us so far It's not going to like, Allah doesn't love people who are oppressors You can believe all you want to believe But if you're an oppressor, you're an oppressor Your relationship with Allah is not going very far You can, you can pray all you want to pray And you can fast all you want to fast And you can give all the charity He says here actually he says, it is also important to remember that religiosity by itself is not a guarantee of a complete victory over the nafs You know, just because you're outwardly religious doesn't mean that a person has overcome themselves, their base self right? but the, and, and these things, if they're in ourselves, they're all barriers between us and Allah No matter what we say or no matter what we even do There's things that are very serious barriers If a person is oppressing other people, it's a very serious barrier if a person has no amana, they're completely untrustworthy, completely unreliable. It's a very serious barrier. Right? And amana and iman come from the same root. That's why he's part of what he's playing with here. And he says amana comes before iman is there's a there's a connection between the words. They have the same. There's a there's a safety in both of them. There's emin. There's emin aman and amana, and there's emin and iman. So this is it's necessary as a precursor. What was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam called? Before he ever called the people to Islam. What was he called? Al Amin. He was Al Amin. You know? This precedes everything else. You know. Uh, there's there's certain qualities, like really I mean in general, uh, I my perspective on Dawah and all of these kind of things is that it's much more about what you are than what you say. But uh, of course there's times when we have to say certain things But it's very much about what you are So if people want to make da'wah for example Then a really good way to, be, to make da'wah is to be a person of amana, To be a person of sitq And it's going to be really clear you know, And Especially in a time when it's not around It's going to be really clear That, that you're about something else I, 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 You know um, And this is the way that Islam really spread. The, the great spreads of Islam were not on the hands of military victories, right? That was the spread of the state of Islam. That wasn't the spread of the religion of Islam. The spread of the religion of Islam was because of these kind of things. And it was largely because of people who were doing business and people who were traveling for, to serve, basically, people and to help people. And people saw who they were. And they were like, oh, let me talk to you. Let me let me see what's what's going on here, because you've got something going on here. And then they would sit with them. They have tea with them. You know, it's also a very important issue, right? Have tea, Muslim. This whole thing about like giving, having tea with people, having coffee with people, having food with people, feeding people, all this stuff. Sometimes we think it's funny, like in Muslim culture and stuff. It's absolutely essential to Muslim culture, and it's essential for more reasons than just feeding people. It's essential because it's also how people connect and that connection is extremely important. So, uh, someone is, I was just talking to some family members yesterday about this. He was saying that, he's like, I was listening, he said I was listening to, you know, uh, these old like Afghan songs. And you put it on and like, you listen to one and then it like takes you to the next ones, you know, these streaming services. So the, the algorithm will take you to the next one, take you to the next one. He's like, some time passed. And I realized there's a united theme in all of these songs. And I started looking back and I'm like, He's like, and every song had a part where they're talking about, and then, there's, and then there was the moment we sat down and we had tea together. And I was like, the, <laughs> that's like the unified theme of, of, this, uh, of all of these songs, of all of these relationships and all of these things. Like, we sat down, and we had tea together. And then uh, another person was like, yeah, I was in Medina. And then, like, you know, the shop owner, he was Afghan. He found out I was Afghan. He basically, like, closed the store. And I was thinking to myself, like, he must not close this door for every Afghan that comes in. Like, this is Medina. And I was like, no, he probably does. Like, you know, that's how important it is to have tea. Like, that tea is really important. Uh, you go to Tahini, you see, not Tahini, Finjan. See what they put on the wall, right? It's really beautiful. So the, the first one is for, how is it? The first one is for the maker. And the second one is for the guest. And the third one is for enjoying it, basically. And the fourth one is for the sword. And every time I tell it to someone they're like, I don't understand. I'm like it's like, Man, subhanAllah, you don't understand. Like this is how this is how disconnected we are from from like core values of, of our tradition. That you don't understand. It means once we've had three or four cups of tea and tea or coffee together, we're family now. Like you die for me, I die for you. That's it. <laughs> we've reached that level, you know? So uh, it's really beautiful, mashallah and they got the calligraphy done, they put it on the wall and It's really nice, mashallah So this is amana. Follow the straight path in abundance and distress In ease and in hardship Part of that is to have amana, It's to have a stability of character That sometimes it's for me, sometimes it's against me Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't like it Those things are not going to change Who I am or what I'm about or what I'm going to do What I'm going to do is what I'm going to do Because it's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's very hard These are not easy things um, but he says, Taqwa is really tested actually in our social relationships. Taqwa is not as severely tested in worship. It's easier. It's between us and Allah. The variables are much more simple. <laughs> you know, it's like Allah is Allah. It's very simple. You know, He remains. Everything else changes. Very simple. I go to Allah. There's no barrier between me and Allah. I go straight to Allah. Right? Like I always say about the story of Rabi' al Adwiya. And she heard about the man who was saying If you keep knocking on the door Then eventually the person will answer the door And Rabia, she heard it And she said, you're foolish, there's no door in the first place Like when it comes to Allah There's no door you keep knocking on the door What are you talking about? You, you don't need to knock on the door As soon as you want to knock on the door The door is already open, it's already there Allah is just there <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> This is Rabia, she sees the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Before she sees anything It's beautiful, right? But uh, it's, that's an easy one. The difficult, the difficult one is the social stuff. Okay, how do I know this right and that right? And how do I act in this situation and that situation? What's the limit on it? Where do I, where do I stop? Where do I go? How do I balance this thing? Okay, now is I have to do this thing. It's not going to be pretty afterwards, but I still have to do it because it's what's right. Now, there's a lot of complications to social relationships. And um, the biggest obstacle that hinders people from acting righteously <coughs> is the nefs and the shaitan okay these are the two factors nefs and shaitan nefs is our base self shaitan is shaitan right? what we have to know about ourselves is that usually we think we're worse than we are part of the reason we think we're worse than we are is because shaitan is very smart and what he does is when, when we have gaps In Our goodness and like the armor that we wear in the world and trying to do good. We have gaps in it, right? And sometimes they're bigger and sometimes they're smaller and sometimes there's moments where like Maybe for example someone's generally patient But they have three or four things going on and their patience is wearing thin a little bit That might not be enough to take it over the edge But shaitan will come and push on that There's like a little there's like a little wound there's a little opening in the skin. And shaitan's like, oh, there's a little opening? I'm going to push right there on that spot. And then that's what takes it over the edge, right? So it's, it's, and then we think we're worse than we are. It, it, we had an issue. There was a little bit of an opening. But that opening was also exploited. And this is the way that it, 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 we have to learn to pay attention to these things because we'll see it. We'll see it very clearly. Like, oh, this thing escalated farther than it needed to escalate to. Why? Because like shaitan played with it. Shaitan, he poured a, little, poured a little gasoline on the fire. You know, took it a little bit further than it would have gone otherwise and but but the nafs is an obstacle towards doing what's good shaitan is an obstacle towards doing what's good and this is in Jihad Al-Akbar so Jihad Al-Akbar don't fall into the foolishness of that's a weak hadith that's a weak hadith is of, is oftentimes foolishness as crazy as it, it might sound to you at first glance why because if the ulama are repeating something over and over and over and over again for century upon century upon century you think they don't know that the hadith is weak? They know that the hadith is technically weak by the standards of hadith scholarship and they also know that in light of all of the various evidences and all of the overall teachings of Islam the meaning of the hadith is still true it's still in Jihad al-Akbar it's still the bigger Jihad the Jihad against the nafs is the bigger Jihad We have to fight against ourselves And (coughs) wage that war And sometimes uh, People can be defeated in this Sayyidina Umar One time he asked his friends for their opinions about a person And they said the person in question Performs his prayers properly and he fasts. And Umar uh, Said to them Do not let a person's prayer and fasting deceive you Have you had business transactions with them Have you traveled with them You know This is where you really see what's going on have you done business with them? Have you traveled to them? Have you lived with them? Have you seen them? You know? So sometimes like if if there's someone that we trust, it's not that we trust because we saw them praying or we saw them say righteous things. We trust them because you know? I was with this person in life every day. I was in this per- I was with this person in travel. I've seen what happens. You know, I've seen what they do when their luggage gets lost. I've seen what they do when their plane gets delayed. I've seen what they do when they can't find anything good to eat. I've seen what they do when they don't believe in standing, they don't believe in praying, sitting down on a plane, nor do they believe in wiping on socks. And they go to the bathroom every single time in the plane. I've traveled with people in the plane. They go to the bathroom every single time, make will do on their feet. Clean up after themselves go, st- go ask the people Stand in a corner of the plane Pray Like you see this stuff You're like subhanAllah This is That's different dedication You know You see how things happen You know SubhanAllah When you travel with people You really see things so, I don't mean like you, you can see amazing things SubhanAllah uh, Anyways External worship uh, They give us a good idea About a person But Character is revealed in difficult situations. One one, uh, caveat I'll make about this is that sometimes we deal with people and we see a lot of good from them. And then a difficult situation might come up and they might not really respond well to it. We might not respond well to it, right? And then oftentimes what people will say was this happened, and then their true colors came out. And it's not always their true colors. I think we have to be careful with this one a little bit. Sometimes the test was just difficult. Sometimes we just don't do well. Sometimes we make mistakes. The true colors are not in the mistake. The true colors are in the response to the mistake. So someone might have, like, maybe they have a situation, and, this and then this, and then they got, like, really angry. And, and then I saw what they were really about. No, you didn't actually yet. Wait to see what they do afterwards. Then you see what they're really about. Maybe they come back and they say, you know what? I did What I did was wrong, and I am apologize for that. If they don't and they double down on what they did was wrong, then it's a different issue. You know, maybe you saw it. But we make mistakes. Human beings, we make mistakes. Hopefully, we make smaller ones rather than bigger ones. Hopefully, we make ones that oppress ourselves more than ones that oppress other people. But uh, we all make mistakes. So uh, just to keep that in mind. You know, uh, and there will be other stuff about that with Futua as well. At uh, the end of Muhammad, wa will yeah. say Any questions or comments or anything? Anyone would like to share? Yes. You were going to say something before I made that box in the comment. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Could you were saying something yeah. in terms of like the concept of Fasbid and Yeah, I mean, similar stuff. Similar to what I said and what you're referring to. And I think there's just a lot of Quite frankly, I mean, I should probably stop the recording right now, but I don't think I'm going to. But quite frankly, there's a lot of stupidity that's said, masqueraded around as manliness. And it's just stupidity. And it's just nefs. And uh, this is part of Futuwa, part of the spiritual path, is to have an understanding of the nefs. And to be like, okay, this thing that's being said right now is feeding my nefs. It could be true, but if it's true and it's feeding my neph's, I have to take a little bit deeper look at it, like you know, because I have to divorce myself from it for a second, you know. So a lot of a lot of this stuff is just it's just neph's, you know, should... I don't know. I mean. I just feel like people who are actually about being men are busier with being men than they are talking about it, you know, so use use that as a principle (laughs) Uh, without naming names and stuff like that, but I just think a, a lot of young people they get really excited with these like clips on YouTube and stuff and this person and that person and they like stand in a certain way and they say certain things and they posture in certain ways and stuff like that you know again like if you want to learn how to be a man don't want you to go out in your community and and find someone who's actually done it and spend time with them and talk to them and see the way that they are Yeah.
1: yeah Our chances on Islam have actually been shaped by the TVs we watch and the environment we've been raised in in the West. And so, even when you come and you say, Well, like it's a common sense thing, but that's even surprising to me, right? Like, well, if you want to learn how to be a real man, study the Prophet Sallallahu Very few of the people who are talking about masculinity and this, like, I'm a rah rah rah, are looking at the Sunnah.
0: Where's the Prophet size them in the conversation? You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry to cut you off. No, yeah. I mean, that's
1: the point that, and how that impacts so many of our views on Islam are so far away from kind of before. Uh, that's why classes like this, I think, are so important because it reminds us, oh, a step back a few steps and look at. Yeah.
0: Right. Opportunities to listen and talk through these things are some kind of
1: few and far between them. When I was yeah. studying overseas, I never heard of the blood about masculinity and.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> and these
1: boys need to be you know, real big. In fact, a lot of the behavior of the Shuyu and Muslims in Muslim countries, for me as someone who was
0: born and raised in America, was born in a feminine, right? Hmm. So hmm. Holding, holding hands. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> it makes you, it makes you value, yeah. kind of our concept, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And travel is so important for that, I think. You know, you see, like, okay, if we're going to talk about what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman, that's not limited to my context, it's not limited to my place. Like, I want to go see men and women who. Really know what they're about and who they are and how that relates to others in all kinds of circumstances. Yeah. That became a, like my running joke when we were in Egypt, is that you know in, in Egypt it's very common. At least when we were there, I would assume it still is for men to hold hands with men, and uh, that was very awkward at first. <laughs> you know, I could get. It took me a long time to get used to that one. But then that would become my uh, whenever someone new would come from America. You know, we pick them up at the airport and then I just like start holding their hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're getting initiated right now. <laughs> yeah, interlocking <laughs> the fingers. <laughs> mushabaka. Yeah, mushabaka, you know. Uh, <laughs> There's a hadith, Musasal bin Mushabaka, by the way, that the Prophet so would shake hands and then you'd do like this. It's uh, very interesting. But yeah you know, SubhanAllah and, and of course there's parts of that That are universal And there's parts of that That are uh, Navigated by culture Some of it positive culture Some of it negative culture You know. Um, but yeah subhanAllah Where is the Prophet in all of it? Like okay you're going to tell me How to be a man and you're not going to tell me Anything about the Prophet are they with that's not going to be part of the conversation at all I mean Then I'm convinced we're playing with a different deck of cards We're not playing with the same deck of cards You know What is all my manliness What is it going to do for me If it's not on the sunnah of the Prophet I mean Abu Jahan probably thought he was a man Abu Lahab probably thought he was a man They're also in hell <laughs> You know So These things are uh, and, 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 and it's the lived practice. And that's why, you know, again, this issue of the sunnah is a really interesting and powerful concept. The sunnah is not just hadith. And the hadith are like data points, I always say. The hadith are like data points. The sunnah is the, what you draw from those data points. And some people will put a bunch of hadith up and they draw something that's really ugly. And some people put a bunch of hadith up and they draw something that's really beautiful. And what's the difference? The difference is that one of them is actually connected to the Prophet and one of them is not. And you could uh, and how do you know that? You know that because how, again it comes back to this issue, it comes back to so many other things we've talked about. <coughs> Muslims knew generation upon generation. If you want to find the Sunnah of the Prophet, you don't just read books about the Sunnah of the Prophet. You find the people who are the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu and, and then they show it to you And you see it as if it's like clear as day It's a different thing My law May Allah, Allah give us their company Allah give us company of people like that To see people like that, to be in their company Anyone else have anything? Yes you guys There's